Thank you for joining us for Working Through the Word, a ministry of the Richmond Church of Christ. Let's join our pulpit minister, Mike Johnson, as he brings today's lesson. I'm glad we've chosen to be here. I know that the online group is much larger than usual. I heard there were 60 different computers on this morning uh, tuned into our online time, and I'm sure the case is the same tonight, but I'm glad that you have taken the chance to be here. I wonder, just a personal note, one of the things, one of the last things that I believe I would uh, miss out on is worship. I think God probably takes care of us here as well as anywhere. I'm reminded of the story of Guy in Woods who went to visit at a church one time and uh, he, he walked up there and he happened to see next to the stage area there was a sign and the sign had a list there and it said, these all have died in the service and it had a list of their members. And he said, brethren, y'all are at the best place you could possibly be. I've been preaching for 50 years and not a single person has died in the service when I've been preaching. So <laughs> he got it. <laughs> so I think it's a good place for us to be. I have, I'm sure some of you fellows are thinking the same as I had to tell my wife that uh, that social distance of six feet should not apply to a wife and a husband. Okay, thank you. So uh, that's, that's how we uh, feel about that. So uh, I didn't hear any women say amen. <laughs> Not a single one. <laughs> All right. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. See my friend DeAndre back there, preacher over at Fairfax in Winchester. He and his family are here. Good to see you. 1 Corinthians 3. This morning, let me ask it this way. Do you have somebody right now in your mind that when you're down and out and things are not going well, that you know they're going to pick you up? You have somebody like that? Let me ask it the other way. Do you have in your mind somebody that you know when you are up and doing really well, they're going to bring you down? Uh, you, you have people like that too? Yeah, I think we all probably do. Well, today is one of those days. Because that's what Paul is doing in Corinth. This morning, you matter. And he said, you do. You matter. You are the temple of God. You have the spirit of God. You are holy. You matter. And he brought them up. This people who are arguing amongst themselves, he brought them up to say, call yourselves to a higher standard because of who you are. But like Paul, I'm going to turn it around tonight. You don't matter. And we're going to notice that. We're going to notice it in the context of 1 Corinthians 3. I'm interested in this for myself because I've never studied the text deeply like this before. So I offer it to you as an idea to think with me about this concept of what he is saying in chapter 3 as it relates to not primarily us as individuals, but primarily to all of us who are the church, the body of Christ. He said, you matter because we matter. If you're in the Lord's church, you matter specially to God because the church matters to God. Tonight, he cautions. Number one, you don't 
matter. Think about this. Paul looked at those people and he said, who is Paul? Well, if Paul didn't matter and he was Paul, then I don't think I matter. Who was Paul? Well, Philippians chapter 3. Paul described himself deeply. He was a Pharisee above the Pharisees, circumcised the eighth day. Uh, as touching the law, blameless. He was the Jew's Jew. He was the one who everyone understood. If you want to talk about a top-of-the-line Jew, that was Paul. I think he proved his top-of-the-line Jewish status by his persecuting Christians. He was so sure that the Jewish system was the right system that he was willing to persecute those who taught otherwise. If Paul didn't matter, Paul was saying to them, then you don't matter either. Number two, if Apollos didn't matter, then I don't matter. And he was Apollos. If you go back to Acts 18, verse 24, we find out about Apollos. He was a mighty man and eloquent in the scriptures. There are a lot of people who teach the word of God, but there aren't that many and maybe who could be labeled a mighty man, eloquent in the scripture. And he came and he taught about Jesus. And the Bible says in that text of Acts 18, that he convinced many Jews. He was able to convict them defending the faith of Christianity against Judaism. If Apollos didn't matter, then you don't matter either. None of us matters. Look at verse 7. After saying, if Paul doesn't matter and Apollos doesn't matter, Paul, Apollos planted, I water. Notice what he said in verse 7. Neither he, anybody, whoever plants is anything or whoever waters is anything. None of us matter. Now what does that mean? It's Paul saying. Paul is saying that these people who in Corinth were competing over their status based upon who taught them and who baptized them into Jesus Christ. And he's saying that doesn't matter. And what anyone, who any of us is as a person doesn't matter in the process of people becoming Christians. He said to these Corinthians, you are emphasizing the wrong thing. Paul did not count it as a compliment when they said, I am from Paul or Apollos or Cephas. I've said many times, I don't count it as a credit and I don't see it as a compliment when somebody defends something merely because I said it. That's not a compliment to me. I appreciate what you're saying. What I would rather hear you say is, I appreciate the fact that Mike defended the truth from God's word. And that's why it is important. You see the point? 
Anybody who preaches and teaches the Word of God is doing a great thing. But it's the message that matters. So now, let's look at these verses again. These same three verses not only say you don't matter, they also say God makes us matter. Look at verse 5. Yes, who is Paul? Who is Apollos? Ministers through whom you believe. That's exactly right. We taught you the truth. You believed. But God gave to each one. Why did Paul matter? Why did Apollos matter? Because God gave them a gift. God gave them an opportunity. God used them. And he, by using them, made them matter. If I don't let God use me, then I'm not going to matter. Because God makes me who I am. God makes you who you are. We matter because God made us who we are. And therefore, we need to honor that person who made us who we are. Every one of us, some more deeply admittedly than others have that father and mother who made us who we are. And we attribute to them certain things that we are who we are. Now, it may be, in fact, that some people have father and mother who were not good and they became the opposite but in a negative way, that father and mother made them who they are because they chose not to follow that way. We understand the idea that God gave them their gift. And we are who we are because of God. God makes us matter because he made us. Number two, verse six. God makes us matter because he works. And he takes the work that we do. I planted, Apollos watered. Yes, we were ministers through whom the message came. I planted, Apollos watered. Yes, indeed, but God gave the increase. I'm thinking, I was sort of mentally trying to make a count. And I'm thinking back to 1991. This is about what the church was. Pretty close. And here we're thinking, I wonder who will come tonight. Yeah, we want to be together. But if we're thinking about who's coming tonight just in order to keep up with numbers... Just to compare numbers, just to rejoice in numbers, that's the wrong emphasis. The idea is that God gives the increase. We should rejoice in the fact that things 
change and are better or numbers grow because God is involved in increase. We can do all that we can do, planting and watering, but it will be God who gives the increase. We dare not commend ourselves, compare ourselves with one another. God takes the work and works with it. But number three, look at verse seven again. So that neither he who plants is anything or he who waters, but God who gives the increase. God not only worked with Paul and Apollos, he not only works with you and you, he works with anybody who wants to work. Anybody. He takes any work and he works with it because God makes things matter. So, in the first place, you don't matter. But in the second place, God makes you matter because he makes you who you are. He takes the work that you do and he takes the work that anybody does and works with it. But now the third and final point, but the larger, the largest of the three. I want you to see the rest of this chapter in the context of the church, not individuals. I don't know how that I had missed the full context of this before, but I give this to you for your thought. Verse 8, we begin by noticing that God, there is a reward available. God rewards the person, not because of who they are, but because of what they do. Notice how he says it in verse 8. He who plants and he who waters are one. And each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. There is a personal reward available, not because of the person, but because of the performance. Think how that is different to the Jewish mindset, for instance. They had their reward, at least in their minds, because of the personhood. I am a Jew. And because I'm a Jew, everything's fine. Because I'm born into the Jewish family, I'm so much better as the Pharisee would pray in the temple. I'm thankful that you did not make me like other men. The Jews had the mindset that we are rewarded because of our person. We are Jewish. Sometimes we have that mentality. But notice what he says, you're rewarded because of the performance, not the person. Secondly, number two, look at verse nine. Here he begins to say, all right, there is a performance that is required. God takes this performance. God works with this performance. God works in us as people. This is where I begin to notice the context in a way 
that I had not before. Verse 9. We're God's fellow workers. You're God's field. You're God's building. Primarily, is he saying, Mike, you are God's field. You are God's building. Or any one of you. I don't think so. I think he's saying, you people, my people, you are God's field. You are God's building. You are the family of God. You are God's people. Verse 10. According to the grace which God has given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. Is he primarily saying to individual Christians, I taught you and I worked with you and I laid a foundation in your life. So somebody else will pick it up and build upon it. Certainly that's included. But I wonder. If the primary function is the church, he's addressing the Corinthian church. And he said, I helped to set the foundation of that church. You are there because I was involved. Yes, you better be careful how you build on it. You see, there is personal responsibility involved with my involvement in the church. The foundation, verse 11, is Jesus Christ. You can't have another one. The foundation has already been laid. You can't lay another foundation. The foundation is there. Now we build upon it. I think he may simply be telling these people, as the church that meets in Corinth, he may be saying, look, you were founded right there as the people of God, built on a foundation of Jesus Christ. You have been established, you have been set, and every single one of you in that body, in that group, in that people, you are building on that foundation. The question would be, maybe from this passage, how are you as an individual Building on the foundation of this church that Jesus died for. What are you adding to the body? What are you giving to the work? How are you performing to add to, to build up the people of God? Now, certainly there's an individual component as far as how are you building in your life and how are others building with you. Notice the concept. We notice this morning from verses 16 and 17 that he's saying that you are a temple. You are the family of God. You are the people of God. He is wa wanting them as a church to think about this. Your actions of trying to figure out who's better and competing with each other over who's better, is that helping the church or is that bringing it down? Is that building on the foundation or is it corroding the foundation? 
I think we ought to be careful as individuals who are performing our Christianity as we see best, we better make sure that in performing our individual work as Christians that we are not thereby tearing down the Lord's work or corroding it. He talked about that many times in Corinth, didn't he? If my brother thinks we should not eat meat, I'm not going to eat meat as long as I live. I have the right, but I'm not going to tear down the church by forcing my opinion on you. That's a theme that comes up a whole lot in the book of 1 Corinthians. So I think he may be addressing that concept here, saying, make sure that you are adding to the foundation and the stability of the people through your performance as a person. Starting in verse 12. Certainly there is a, a personal component to it. Notice what he says. If anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it. Because it will be revealed by fire, the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. Now you, you see the elements there in verse 12. There are elements that will survive fire, right? Gold and silver and precious stones. The fire will actually test and prove them to be as good as they are. But we also know what happens to the wood, the hay, and the straw. It's burned up. What's he saying? Well, certainly there's a personal component. There's an evangelistic component. When you work with people and when I work with people and we're helping to establish a foundation in their lives, there will come a time when the fires will begin to test them. Are they real or are they going to fall away? Are they going to stay faithful or do we have to go chase them down? Are they going to grow or are they going to be weak? And the fire at the end will certainly reveal that, whether they are saved or lost. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. If you work with or build upon a foundation and that person with whom you're working and doing falls away, they're lost. But your work was still honored because you were doing the work. I think he's saying that as a church. I think he's telling us as a body of Christ, there are people that we will work with and try to help and be involved with, and it just won't take. It won't work. They're not going to stay faithful. I think it would be interesting for those of us who have been here for the 27 or 8 years, 29 years, if we could come up with a list of all of the people who have been members here 
and are still in the area, but are no longer faithful to the Lord. That'd be a sad list, wouldn't it? It's a list that we probably sometimes forget. And we need to remember more often. But here's the thing. At least we were here for them. At least we were here teaching and practicing and trying to be an example and trying to have fellowship. And if they are not saved, it won't be because we were not here performing as we should. Now, we didn't do everything right, certainly, in every case. But I know this. Because the church was planted here in Richmond, just like any other town, there are people who have come to know the Lord because the church was doing its work. And therefore, God accepts that work. God appreciates that work. And God works with anybody who wants to perform with him. The truth is, he finished that context with what we started this morning. Who is a Paul? Who is Apollos? You don't matter. We don't matter. But you're the temple of God. You matter. You house the Spirit of God. You matter. You are holy. You matter. But why do you matter? You matter because we matter. The church is the body of Christ. They sacrificed and gave it. We matter because God gave us a people to give us a name. As people, we matter. Sure, every individual matters because of what God wants for them has nothing to do with blood except for the blood of Christ. As always, we offer an opportunity to be strengthened, to be prayed for, to be helped. And tonight, if we can help you in your walk with the Lord, mattering through performance and His Word and the performance of Jesus on the cross, we're here to help you. Let's stand and sing together. We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast brought to you by the Richmond Church of Christ. We are located at 1500 Lancaster Road in Richmond, Kentucky. We meet on Sunday mornings for Bible class at 9 a.m., followed by our morning worship service held at 10 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is held at 6 p.m., and our midweek Bible study is held on Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you are in the area, we would love to have you as our honored guest. Thanks for listening.